chapters one and two of the curved blades this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recorded by Cillian major the curved blades by carolyn wells one miss lucy carrington garden steps was one of the show-places of merivale park long island in summer it was an enchanting spot and the dazzling white marble steps which led to the sunken gardens justified their right to give the place its name other stone steps gave on terraces and flower-banks others still led to the italian landscape gardens and a few rustic steps of a wooden style transported one to an old-fashioned garden whose larkspur and canterbury bells were the finest of their sort the house seemed an integral part of this setting its wide verandas or more often loggias were so lavishly furnished with flowering plants its windows so boxed with them that the whole effect was that of a marvellously well-planned horticultural exhibition but all this was of the summer in winter for it was an all-round-the-year home only the varied and extraordinary collection of evergreens shared with the steps the honour of making picturesque and beautiful the view from the house windows and now in january one of the all too seldom enjoyed white snowstorms had glorified the whole estate wind-swept drifts half hid half disclosed the curving marble balustrades and turned the steps to snowy fairyland flights and for it was night a cold dear perfect winter night a supercilious moon looked down a little haughtily and condescended to illumine the scene in stunning if a bit theatric fashion ripping picture eh said gray haviland as he held back the heavy curtain for the golden-haired young woman at his side to look out oh isn't it a wonderful sight and as anita frayne took a step forward toward the casement haviland let the curtain fall behind him and the two were alone in the deep embrasure of the wide bay window not nearly such a wonderful sight as you are haviland swung her round to face him and stood gazing at the pretty doll-like face that half laughed half frowned into his own Me i'm not like a moonlit landscape no you're just a golden morsel of summer sunshine haviland's eulogy was interrupted by a petulant voice calling shrilly where are you two i hear you talking come on i'm waiting oh lord come on and holding the curtain aside he let anita pass and then followed her here we are cousin lucy all ready for the fray good evening count count charlier bowed frenchily and anita gave him the bright flashing smile that she kept on hand for mankind in general and which was quite different from that she used on special occasions or for special friends annoyed at the duration of this delaying smile miss lucy carrington tapped impatiently on the bridge-table and looked her impatience most unmistakably mistress of garden steps wealthy well-born of assured social position capable and efficient miss carrington lacked the one gift of fate for which she would have bartered all else she was not beautiful and had not even enough pretension to good looks to think herself beautiful plain features graying hair dyed red big prominent light blue eyes and a pasty pudgy complexion left no hope for the miracles worked by beauty doctors to avail in her case her figure was short and dumpy the despair of her staymakers and her taste in dress ran to the extremes in colouring and fashion passionately fond of all beauty miss carrington felt keenly her own lack of it and to this lack she attributed the fact that she was a spinster 
those who knew her felt there might be other reasons why her suitors had been few but as a matter of fact the acidity of her disposition was a direct result of her disappointed loveless life and even yet though nearing fifty miss lucy carrington had by no means laid aside all thoughts of matrimonial adventure heiress to immense wealth there had been fortune-seekers who asked her hand but lucy carrington would none of these aristocratic and high-minded she had unerring perception of motives and the men who had been willing to marry her face as well as her fortune had been of such unworth that the ladies scorned them but now looming on her hope's horizon was a welcome possibility count henri charlier a visitor of a neighbour seemingly admired the mistress of garden steps and had fallen into the habit of frequent calling courteous and polished of manner he flattered miss carrington in such wise that his attitude was acceptable if not indubitably sincere her closest scrutiny and most challenging provocation failed to surprise any admission of her lack of perfection in his eyes and his splendid physique and brilliant mind commanded her complete approval and admiration there had been hints that his title could not be read entirely clear but this was not sufficient to condemn him in miss carrington's eyes to be sure the count had as yet said no word that could be construed as of definite intention but there had been certain signs deemed portentous by the willing mind of the lady in question bridge was miss carrington's favourite diversion and as the count also enjoyed it frequent evenings were devoted to the game it was perhaps a mistake that miss carrington should have allowed this for her temper always uncertain lost all restraint when she suffered ill luck at cards a poor hand always brought down violent objurgation on the head of her partner and sarcastic comment or criticism on her adversaries these exhibitions of wrath were not good policy if she wished to charm the french visitor but as he invariably kept his own temper his irate hostess made little effort to curb hers what are you doing anita cried miss carrington petulantly as they settled themselves at the table you know i always play with the blue cards and you are dealing them sure enough pardon me lady lucy i will take the red ones then pray wait till i make them up there no let the count cut them have you no notion of bridge rules you are quite the most inattentive player will you kindly concentrate on the game yes indeed and anita frayne smiled as she deftly dealt the red cards i hope you have a good hand you hope i have a good hand a strange idea for an adversary but i know you like to win and miss frayne hastily gathered up her own cards i do not like to have you want me to win that's babyish i like to win by superior skill not merely by lucky cards this was an awful whopper and all the table knew it but it was ignored and the game began miss carrington lady lucy as she liked to be called did not hold good hands on the contrary she had a run of bad luck that made her more and more irate with each hand dealt miss frayne who was her protege and social secretary watched with growing apprehension the red spots that appeared in miss carrington's cheeks infallible danger signals of an impending outbreak it came another handful of blanks miss carrington exclaimed angrily and flung the offending thirteen cards across the wide room there now cousin lucy said gray haviland determined to keep the peace if possible that was a clever idea it will certainly change your luck i'll collect the pasteboards and we'll start fresh 
easily the big good-looking young chap sauntered across the room and gathered up the cards chatting meanwhile you don't lose your deal you know so try again cousin lucy and good luck to you in angry silence miss carrington dealt again and examined her hand nothing above a ninth spot she declared throwing them backs up on the table too bad murmured miss frayne carelessly picking up the hand why you didn't look closely here's an ace and two queens and they're nothing how dare you dispute my word i say the hand is worthless she fairly snatched the cards from the girl and turned them face down again but mademoiselle began the count if you have an ace and two queens i could have played a no trump hand grand ah splendide yes you could have played it you want to play all the open hands you want me to sit here a dummy a figurehead every time now now lady lucy and anita frayne laughed pleasantly be quiet you're worse yet you want to deal me good hands to humour me i believe you would cheat to do it i don't want good cards that way ah begged the count seeing anita flush do not tell the young lady she cheats do not do that i'll tell her what i choose gray say something you sit there like a mummy while these people are insulting me right and left tell anita i am right in not wishing her to deal me good cards purposely but she didn't declared haviland you know she didn't why she couldn't even if she wanted to oh yes she could and miss carrington gave a disagreeable sneer she's quite clever enough for any deceit or treachery stop cousin lucy i can't let you talk so about miss frayne in my presence oh you can't can't you and pray what right have you to defend her go away both of you i'll play with you no longer go away and send pauline and mr ilsley in here they at least will play fair anita frayne rose without a word haviland rose too but talking volubly let up cousin lucy he said sternly you've no right to treat miss frayne so you ought to apologize to her for such rudeness apologize miss carrington fairly shrieked she'll do the apologizing and you too my foolish young cousin you little know what's going to happen to me to-morrow you may sing another song haviland looked at her in astonishment the count thoughtfully the same idea was in both their minds could she mean that she was expecting the count to propose to her that evening nothing nice can happen to you unless you learn to control that temper of yours and haviland swung away after anita he found her in the next room nestled in the corner of a big davenport weeping into a sympathetic sofa-cushion go and find the others she whispered as he came near her make them go and play with her obediently haviland went in the glass sun parlour he found pauline stuart miss carrington's niece and stephen ilsley one of the most favoured of pauline's many suitors for goodness sake people he began do go and play bridge with the lady of the manor she's in a peach of a fury and you'll have to take your life in your hands but go i won't said pauline bluntly it's anita's turn to-night she said she'd do it she did but she came off second best and she's weeping buckets on the best empire embroidery sofa cushions 
i'm going to comfort her but you must go and keep the gentle lucy from pulling the house down about our ears she's sure queering herself with his nibs he can't admire her sweet flower-like soul after this night's exhibition i don't want to go a bit but i suppose we'll have to and pauline smiled at her guest oh go on said haviland as he turned to leave them and for heaven's sake give her all the good cards can you manage that ilsley i am afraid not her eyes are too sharp well if her luck stays bad get her to play mumble peg or something instead of bridge haviland disappeared and pauline rose unwillingly i do so hate to play with aunt lucy she said but it must be done are you willing to sacrifice yourself for you always and the two went to the card-room pauline stuart tall dark graceful was a striking-looking girl only twenty-four she carried herself with the dignity and poise of a duchess and her heavy dark brows gave her face an expression of strength and will-power that contrasted forcibly with the delicate dresden china beauty of anita frayne the two girls were not especially friendly though never definitely at odds anita was envious of the more fortunate pauline the latter miss carrington's niece would inherit a goodly part of her aunt's large fortune while the humble position of the secretary commanded only a liberal not munificent salary the girls however were at one in their dread of miss lucy's evolutions of temper and their resentment of the biting sarcasms and angry diatribes she flung at them in her frequent spasms of fury ilsley a well-set-up chap of good address followed pauline into her aunt's presence you waited long enough grumbled miss carrington sit down it's your deal now pauline matters went well for a time miss lucy held good cards and once or twice she triumphed through a mistake of her adversaries which she fortunately did not discover was made on purpose count chalier's little bright black eyes darted inquiringly from aunt to niece but he made no comment all four played well and when at last miss carrington made a grand slam her joy was effervescent good play she flattered herself you must admit count that it was clever of me to take that difficult finesse just at that critical point clever indeed mademoiselle you have the analytical mind you should have been a diplomat also fortune favours you you are beloved of the fickle goddess let us hope so and for a moment miss carrington looked grave and then with the perversity of the same goddess the card luck changed pauline and ilsley held all the high cards miss lucy and the count only the low ones storm signals showed whiter grew the stern set face tighter drew the thin wide lips and rigid muscles set themselves in the angry swelling throat then as she scanned a hand of cards all below the ten again they went in a shower across the room and she cried angrily a yarborough reverting to the old-fashioned term never mind aunt lucy and pauline tried to laugh it off this is not your lucky night let's give up bridge for to-night let's have some music yes because you love music and hate bridge it makes no difference what i want my wishes are never considered you and anita are just alike selfish ungrateful caring for nothing but your own pleasure mr ilsley don't you think young girls should pay some slight attention to the wishes of one who does everything for them where would either of them be but for me are you not sorry for me 
why i-you must excuse me i am not sure i understand yes you understand perfectly well you know the girls slight me and snub me every chance they get but it will not always be thus to-morrow come aunt lucy pleaded pauline let us have some music you know there are some new records just arrived to-day let us hear them are there new records did you get the ones i wanted some of them we couldn't get them all oh no of course not but if you had wanted certain records they would have been found but auntie lucy we couldn't get them if they aren't made could we gray tried his best oh tried his best he forgot to ask for them so he says he tried his best to excuse his carelessness if anita had wanted them the starting of the music drowned further flow of the ladies grievances two a clash of tongues true to its reputation for calming the impulses of the turbulent spirit the music soothed miss carrington's ruffled temper and she waxed amiable and even gay enthroned on her favourite red velvet chair resplendent in an elaborately decorated gown of sapphire blue satin with her bright auburn locks piled high and topped by an enormous comb of carved tortoise-shell she dominated the little group and gave orders that must be obeyed she wore among other jewels a magnificent rope of pearls so remarkable were these that the count who had never seen them before ventured to refer to them yes agreed miss carrington they are wonderful practically priceless i assure you it took my agent years to collect them and you grace an informal home evening with these regal gems not usually no but you know count charlier pearls must be worn frequently to preserve their lustre laid away a long time they grow dead and dull-looking you keep them here is it safe think you i don't keep them here all the time indeed i got these from the safe deposit only this morning i shall return them there in a few days while here i shall wear them all i can to liven them up you brought a lot of your other jewels didn't you aunt lucy said pauline casually why did you are you going to a ball no i wish to-to look them over and plan to have some reset but are they safe inquired the count again do you not fear thieves no we never have such things as robbery in merivale park it is a quiet well-behaved neighbourhood but you have a safe went on the count you take at least that precaution oh yes i have a safe in my boudoir there is really no danger count charlier would you like to hear me sing find one of my records gray miss carrington's singing voice had been a fine one and was still fair she sometimes amused herself by making records for her phonograph and gray haviland managed the mechanical part of it which one lady lucy he asked as he rummaged in the record cabinet any of those pretty love songs and miss carrington glanced coyly at the count here's a fine one and haviland placed a disc in the machine listen he said smiling don't miss the introduction the needle touched the record and miss lucy's laugh rang out so clear and true it was difficult to believe it was a recorded laugh and not a sound from the lady herself then the recorded voice said this song is one of carr's favourites i'll sing it for him and then with only a few seconds interval miss carrington's voice sang believe me if all those endearing young charms 
it was well sung and a perfect record so that the incident of the singer listening to her own voice was interesting in itself capital applauded the count as it was finished it is indeed pleasant to preserve one's songs thus may i not some time record my own amateur attempt delighted to have you count said haviland cordially come over some morning and we'll do up a lot of records since when have you been master here gray said miss lucy with fine scorn i will give the invitations to my own house if you please count charlier if you will come to-morrow afternoon i will instruct mr haviland to make the records it was not so much the words as the manner of their utterance that was offensive and haviland set his lips in stifled anger it was not at all unusual this sort of rebuff but he could not endure it as patiently as the two girls did haviland was a second cousin of miss carrington and while he lived with her in the capacity of a business secretary and general man of affairs the post was a sinecure for the services of her lawyer and of her social secretary left little for haviland to do his salary was a generous one and he was substantially remembered in her will but he sometimes thought the annoying and irritating fleers he had to accept smilingly were worth more than he was receiving he was continually made to feel himself a dependent and an inferior these trials also fell to the lot of the two girls pauline although her aunt's heiress to the extent of half the fortune the other half to go to an absent cousin was by no means treated as an equal of miss carrington herself it seemed to give the elder lady delight to domineer over her niece and in every possible way make her life uneasy and uncomfortable as to the social secretary miss frayne she was scolded for everything she did right or wrong often had the three young people declared intentions of leaving garden steps but so far none of them had made good the threat vanity was the keynote of lucy carrington's nature and knowing this they could if they chose keep her fairly sweet-tempered by inordinate flattery often administered this proceeding hurt their self-respect jarred their tempers and galled their very souls but it was that or dismissal and thus far they had stayed matters were nearing a crisis however and haviland's patience was so sorely strained that he was secretly looking for another position anita frayne whose pretty blonde doll face belied a very fiery disposition was on the verge of a serious break with her employer and pauline stewart continually assured herself that she could not go on this way pauline was the orphan daughter of lucy's sister and had lived with her aunt for many years carrington loria the son of another sister was engaged in antiquarian research in egypt where he had been since his graduation as an engineer he too was an orphan and had lived with lucy in his younger days and he and pauline were equal heirs to their aunt's wealth the father of the three carrington sisters having become angered at his two daughters who married against his wishes had left his entire fortune to lucy his only remaining child thus her niece and nephew were her only direct heirs and save for some comparatively small bequests the carrington estate would eventually be theirs pauline well knew that if she left her aunt's roof it meant complete disinheritance for lucy carrington was proud of her beautiful niece and too was fond of her in her own way but the ungovernable temper of the lady made her home an almost unbearable abiding-place since childhood years carrington loria had lived there only during his college vacations but he had been back occasionally for short visits from his now permanent egyptian occupation he had always come laden with gifts of oriental products and the rooms at garden steps showed many rare specimens of cunning handiwork and rich fabrics and embroideries 
to break the awkward pause that followed miss carrington's rude speech to gray haviland pauline picked up an antique scarab from a side table and drew the count's attention to its inscription he expressed a polite interest but cast furtive glances at his hostess as if afraid of a further outbreak nor were his fears unjustified miss carrington administered a scathing reproach to pauline for intruding herself upon the count's attention and bade her put aside the scarab and hold her tongue don't speak to me like that aunt lucy i am not a child and pauline unable to control herself longer faced her angry aunt with an air of righteous wrath i'll speak to you as i choose miss it is for you to mend your tone in addressing me if you don't you may have cause to regret it count charlier came here to see me and i refuse to countenance your clumsy attempts to engage his interest in your silly babble but i insist stammered the greatly embarrassed count allow me madame let me say i call on you all all nothing of the sort declared miss lucy you came count to play bridge with us our opponents behaved so rudely and played so badly it was impossible for us to continue the game nor can we enjoy music in this inharmonious atmosphere let us stroll in the conservatory you and i she rose trailing her heavy silks and flashing her sparkling jewels and the count a little hesitatingly followed her they crossed the great hall and going through a reception room and the delightful sun parlour came to the warm heavily scented conservatory poor old chalier said haviland as the pair disappeared he's in for it now do you suppose the palms and orchids will bring him up to the scratch nita i'll bet you a box of gloves against a box of simple little cigarettes that he doesn't propose to the lady to-night done cried miss frayne who was sparkling again now that the dread presence was removed i doubt he can help himself she has him at her mercy and he's too good-mannered to disappoint her wish he'll propose said pauline with an air of conviction he's a typical fortune-hunter that man indeed i am not sure he's a count at all do you know mr elsley i know almost nothing of the man save that he's a guest of the frothinghams that's not entirely in his favour i think right you are agreed haviland those people are well they're to be queried but i say polly if the two do hit it off it's grinding poverty for us eh it may be a blessed relief gray she'll give us something of course and send us away from here i for one shouldn't be sorry to go she is getting too impossible she is put in anita every day she pounds us worse i'd like to kill her the fierce words and would-be menacing glance of the little blonde beauty were about as convincing as a kitten declaring himself a warlord and even the stately pauline smiled at the picture she ought to be killed declared haviland and i say this dispassionately i wouldn't do it because killing is not in my line but the eternal fitness of things requires her removal to another sphere of usefulness she makes life a burden to three perfectly good people and some several servants not one would mourn her and-oh stop gray cried pauline don't talk in that strain don't listen to him mr elsley he often says such things but he doesn't mean them mr haviland loves to talk at random to make a sensational hearing nothing of the sort polly i do mean it lucy carrington is a misery dispenser and such are not wanted in this nice little old world but perhaps pauline looked thoughtful the fault is in us 
we don't like her and so we see nothing good in what she does now carrington loria adores her she had a letter from him to-day yes loria adores her interrupted haviland because he doesn't live with her she sends him love-letters and money and he doesn't know the everlasting torture of living under her roof year in and year out but he caught on a little the last time he was here he said well in his quaint oriental fashion he said gee she's the limit that's what he said well she is pouted anita i can't do a thing to suit her to-day i wrote a letter over six times before she was satisfied and every change she wanted made was so foolish she wanted it changed back again she nearly drove me crazy but i have to put up with her morning noon and night sighed pauline you have your hours off anita but i never do she even wakens me in the night to read to her or to help her plan her new gowns it is awfully hard for you began mr ilsley and then all stopped short for the object of their discussion returned to the room it was plain to be seen miss carrington was in a state of suppressed excitement she giggled almost hysterically and tapped the count playfully on the arm with her fan as she bade him say good-night and go the interested ones watching her could not learn whether the count had declared himself or not the presumption was negative for had he done so surely miss carrington would have told the good news chalier himself was distinctly non-committal debonair as always he made his adieu no more demonstrative to his hostess than to the others and went away ilsley followed and the household dispersed the clock struck midnight as the ladies went upstairs following custom they all three went to miss lucy's boudoir it was by way of reporting for to-morrow's orders and was a duty never neglected the exquisite apartment from which opened the bedroom and bath was softly lighted and fragrant with flowers how do you like count henri chalier miss carrington quickly demanded of her satellites charming said the voluble anita just a typical french nobleman isn't he and how he adores our lady lucy the whole speech rang false but the vanity of the lady addressed swallowed it as true as sincerity yes she returned he is infatuated i have reason to think but we shall see what we shall see curb your impatience girls you shall know all in due time can i do anything for you auntie to-night or to-morrow asked pauline and though she tried to speak with enthusiasm her tone did sound perfunctory not if you offer in that manner and miss carrington looked at her niece coldly one would think pauline that it must be an irksome task to do the smallest favour for your aunt and benefactor do you feel no pleasure in doing what trifles you can for one who does everything for you i would feel a pleasure aunt lucy if you were kinder to me but kinder shrieked her aunt kinder girl have you taken leave of your senses i give you a home fine dresses money everything you can want and you ask me to be kinder to you go never let me see you again after that speech oh auntie don't i didn't mean you didn't mean to exasperate me beyond endurance no of course you meant to stop short of that but you have done it i mean this pauline to-morrow you go elsewhere to live no longer will i give a home to such a monster of ingratitude but miss carrington and anita frayne's soft voice implored gently don't be hasty pauline didn't mean what and lucy carrington turned on her 
you take her part then you go too i want no ingrates here leave me both of you this night is your last beneath this roof you are two unworthy girls to scorn and slight the hand that has fed and clothed you and given you luxury and comfort such as you will never see again go i've done with you send me estelle she at least has some small affection for me the two girls left the room the scene was not without precedent before this they had been ordered to leave the house for ever but always forgiveness and reinstatement had followed this time however the lady lucy had been rather more in earnest and the girls looked at each other uncertainly as they turned toward their rooms anita summoned estelle the french maid and then told her to hasten immediately to miss carrington don't undress me said the mistress as the maid appeared i'm not retiring at once get me out of this gown and give me a negligee and slippers yes mademoiselle and estelle deftly obeyed orders and brought a white boudoir gown edged with swan's down not that cried miss carrington bring the gold embroidered one the oriental ah the green one from monsieur loria yes the one my nephew sent me at christmas time my but it's handsome isn't it estelle gorgeous declared the maid and she spoke truly young loria knew his aunt's taste and he had sent her a typical egyptian robe of pale green silk heavy with gold embroideries in it miss carrington looked like one attired for a masquerade shall i take down mademoiselle's hair asked estelle lingering no i want to be alone i will read a while you need not return i will do for myself there is your glass of milk mademoiselle on the bed-table silly i suppose i can see it for myself yes ma'am and you will have your tea at eight in the morning of course my tea at eight as always you might remember that much yourself but nobody remembers things for my comfort pardon but sometimes it is eight and again it must be half-past eight now will you go you are most exasperating why do you stand there like a gibbering idiot the jewels mademoiselle the pearls shall i not put them in safety no i will put them in the safe myself where is the key there mademoiselle on your dresser but if i might you mayn't do anything except to get out and stay out do you hear shall i never be obeyed yes mademoiselle good-night the soft tone was fully belied by the evil glare of the french girl's eyes but that was not seen by miss lucy carrington End of chapters one and two